Chapter Fifty of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Folk might seeth the bride and speaketh with her. Thou tells the tale of folk might that he went his ways from the hall to the house where the bride lay, and the swain who had brought the message went along with him, and he was proud of walking beside so mighty a warrior, and he talked to folk might as they went and the sound of his voice was irksome to the chieftain, but he made as though he hearkened. Yet when they came to the door of the house, which was just out of the place on the southern road, for thereby had the bride fallen to earth, he could withhold his grief no longer, but turned on the threshold and laid his head on the door-jamb, and sobbed and wept till the tears fell down like rain. And the boy stood by wondering, and wishing that folk might would forbear weeping, but durst not speak to him. In a while folk might left weeping and went in, and found a fair hall sore befouled by the felons, and in the corner on a bed, covered with furs, the wounded woman. And at first sight he deemed her not so pale as he looked to see her, as she lay with her long dark red hair strewed over the pillow, her head moving about wearily. A linen cloth was thrown over her body, but her arms lay out of it before her. Beside her sat the alderman, his face sober enough, but not as one in heavy sorrow, and anigh him was another chair, as if someone had but just got up from it. There was no one else in the hall save two women of the woodlanders, one of whom was cooking some potion on the hearth, and another was sweeping the floor anigh of bran, or some such stuff, which had been thrown down to sop up the blood. So folk might went up to the bride, sorely dreading the image of death which she had grown to be, and sorely loving the woman she was and would be. He knelt down by the bedside, heeding Iron Face little, though he nodded friendly to him, and he held his face close to hers. But she had her eyes shut, and did not open them till he had been there a little while, and then they opened and fixed themselves on his without surprise or change. Then she lifted her right hand, for it was in her left shoulder and side that she had been hurt, and slowly laid it on his head, and drew his face to hers, and kissed it fondly, as she both smiled and let the tears run over from her eyes. Then she spake, in a weak voice, Thou seest, chieftain and dear friend, that I may not stand by thy victorious side to-day. And now, though I were fain if thou wouldst never leave me, yet needs must thy go about thy work, since thou art become the alderman of the folk of Silverdale. Yea, and even if thou wert not to go from me, yet in a manner should I go from thee, for I am grievously hurt, and I know by myself. And also the leeches have told me that the fever is a-coming on me, so that presently I shall not know thee, but may deem thee to be a woman or a hound, or the very wolf that is the image of the father of thy kindred or even, it may be, someone else, that I have played with, time agone. Her voice faltered and faded out here, and she was silent a while. Then she said, So, depart, kind friend and dear love, bearing this word with thee, that should I die, I call on Ironface my kinsman, to bear witness that I bid thee carry me to Bale in Silverdale, and lay mine ashes with the ashes of thy father's, with whom thine own shall mingle at the last, since I have been of the warriors who have helped to bring thee back to the land of thy folk. 
Then she smiled and shut her eyes and said, And if I live, as indeed I hope, and how glad and glad I shall be to live, then shalt thou bring me to thy house and thy bed, that I might not depart from thee while both our lives last. And she opened her eyes and looked at him, and he might not speak for a while, so ravished as he was betwixt joy and sorrow. But the alderman arose and took a gold ring from off his arm and spake, This is the gold ring of the god of the face, and I bear it on mine arm betwixt the folk and the god in all manmotes, and I bore it through the battle to-day, and it is as holy a ring as may be, and since ye are plighting troth, and I am the witness thereof, it were good that ye held this ring together, and called the god to witness, who is akin to the god of the earth, as we all be. Take the ring, folk might, for I trust thee, and of all women now alive would I have this woman happy. So folk might took the ring and thrust his hand through it, and took her hand and said, Ye fathers, thou god of the face, thou earth god, thou warrior, bear witness that my life and my body are plighted to this woman, the bride of the house of the steer. His face was flushed and bright as he spoke, but as his words ceased, he noted how feebly her hand lay in his, and his face fell, and he gazed on her timidly. But she lay quiet and said softly and slowly, O fathers of my kindred, O warrior and god of the earth, bear witness that I plight my troth to this man, to lie in his grave if I die, and in his bed if I live. And she smiled on him again, and then closed her eyes, but opened them presently once more, and said, Dear friend, how fared it with Goldmane to-day? Said folk might, So well he did, that none might have done better. He fared in the fight as if he had been our father, the warrior. He is a great chieftain, she said. Wilt thou give him this message from me, that in no wise he forget the oath which he swore upon the fingering as it lay on the sundial of the garden of the face, and say, moreover, that I am sorry that we shall part, and have between us such breadth of wildwood and mountain-neck. Yea, surely will I give thy message, said Folkmite, and in his heart he rejoiced, because he heard her speak, as if she were sure of life. Then she said faintly, It is now thy work to depart from me, and do as it behoveth the chieftain of the people and the alderman of Silverdale. Depart, lest the leeches chide me. Farewell, my dear. So he laid his face to hers and kissed her, and rose up and embraced Iron Face, and went his ways without looking back. But just over the threshold he met old Hallward of the house of the steer, who was at point to enter, and he greeted him kindly. The old man looked on him steadily and said, "Tomorrow, or the day after, I will utter a word to thee, O chief of the wolf. In a good hour, said Folkmite, for all thy words are true. Therewith he gat him away from the house, and came to face of God, where he sat before the altar of the crooked sword. And now were the chiefs come back from their meat, and were sitting with him. There also were Woodfather and Woodwant, but Bome was with the sunbeam, who was resting softly in the fair meadow after all the turmoil. So men made place for folkmites beside the war-leader, who looked upon his face and saw that it was sober and unsmiling, but not heavy or moody with grief. So he deemed that all was as well as it might be with the bride, 
and with a good heart fell to taking counsel with the others, and kindly and friendly were the reeds which they held there, with no gainsaying of man by man, for the whole folk was glad at heart. So there they ordered all matters duly for that present time, and by then they had made an end, it was past sunset, and men were lodged in the chief houses about the market-stead, albeit though they ate their meat with all joy of heart, and were merry in converse one with the other, the men of the wolf would by no means feast in their hall again, till it had been cleansed and hallowed anew. End of chapter 50